Hello again. It's China Manufacturing Decoded, the podcast from Sofeast. Adrian back here again and joined by our CEO, Renaud. Renaud, hello again. Hello. Yes. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. I had a bit of a break in the US, as you know, and mm. uh, nice to uh, just nice to get away from the UK for a while with everything that went on as well with the funeral and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just been it's just been really crazy here. It's uh it's like oh, yeah. in a different world, but oh, yeah, yeah, back, back, and enjoying it, and uh, good to good to get Liz on last week. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. guest. Yes, it was great. Yeah, very uh, full of tips, full of good, useful comments. Yeah, yeah, uh, mm. I, I like Liz a lot. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, we do try to get interesting guests on as often as we can here on the podcast. So <laughs> that's it. Today's topic. We're talking about uh, communication with Chinese suppliers, and you're going to talk through, uh, again, tips and probably some of the best practices that you've picked up over the decades in China and uh, and dealing with a lot of suppliers for ourselves or for, for clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's always going to be communication difficulties with any foreign suppliers and China's no different mm. uh, I think I think you're going to talk about some ways to message and to keep in touch the difference between messaging and email uh, project management software some templates and something that we've discussed in other episodes legally enforceable agreements which of course include information that needs to be communicated so yeah, shall we kick it off with communication difficulties? <laughs> yes. Well, of course, it depends. And some suppliers, or should I say some uh, some people, some maybe salespeople or project managers working in some Chinese factories or sometimes in Chinese trading companies, maybe more often, mm. are, are, are very good at communicating, make it very smooth and so on. Very good also at making, you know, foreign customers feel at ease. Like, oh, yeah, they've been to our country many times. They know they work with such and such company. They must be great, you know. Sometimes it's a little bit of a show. Uh, but, yeah, they, they can be great at communicating. You know, they have great English. They they understand all the jargon and, and things like that. Okay. That's some of the suppliers. And then... <laughs> At the other extreme, you have factories where nobody's speaking English and they, they are not used to foreign customers and export business at all or anything like that, right? So uh, you, you need to be mindful of that when you select a, a supplier. You need to make sure that maybe there's one really great person and then but but she's the only one you know you ask for the export sales manager you ask for some you know contact of some other sales people who can speak english and like there's nobody else that's a bit of a red flag right here because if that mm. person leaves ouch what's going to happen so the, the, it's very uh person specific okay so you need to be uh be careful about that uh the you know language is an issue there's other issues actually that make communication a bit more difficult is timing expectations. So, you know, someone doing business in in New York City will expect a response, you know, within within the same workday, right? Now, Mm. there's a 12-hour difference, so they better get, get up early in the morning. But, yeah, a lot of people in the U.S. don't mind working, you know, special hours with 
Chinese suppliers, so maybe they're online at 9 p.m. or something. But they will expect a response, you know, uh, pretty fast. If you send emails, well, Chinese suppliers have another expectation, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. If it's very important for them, they would answer. If they don't really know how to answer or whatever, they, you, you give them five questions and you expect them to answer every every one of the five questions by returning email, you know, it might take them a week. <laughs> so timing is a, big, is a big disconnect. And that's what pushes people to go into WeChat. And I will cover that uh, in a second, but right there, that's... Yeah. Um, uh, that's a bit of um, a challenge in itself and a big risk, actually. Uh, mm. Yeah, so the communication medium, you know, maybe you like email, they like WeChat, you know, or um, you like uh, Skype calls, they like WeChat calls or something. Okay, that that's easier. But um, th these are the main sources of difficulty. Obviously, there's some other issues, you know, the... Um, you, you, you want them to commit onto something in writing and they're like, uh, you know, based on the context, the context at that time, we will see, we will do our best. You know, th there's all kinds of things like that, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, the, people maybe like to, to talk in uh, about like big concepts, but Chinese people tend to be much, let's say, much closer to the ground, you know. There's all kinds of, of, uh, of little issues with that. Also, and that's particularly true with American people. They like to um, to use all kinds of sport analogy. Or, or, ah. you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, give me a ballpark and, oh, you knock it out of the, out of the, um, out of the park or whatever. All yeah. kinds of, um, of, of, uh, of special um, expressions that Chinese people don't really learn about at university. Mm. <laughs> right? So, Sometimes they don't really understand. Okay, so that's very basic, you know, just communication difficulties. Uh, but what, what we want to cover in this uh, episode is the, really the communication medium. That's really what we want to focus on because it is actually so important. It looks so innocuous, you know. Eh, just mm. go into whatever is most convenient. <laughs> maybe, but maybe not. Right, that's the message. Um, and let, let's cover them one by one, right? Starting with the obvious one, WeChat. <laughs> Waiting in Chinese, right? It's been launched by uh, Tencent, which is a huge IT company in, uh, in, in Shenzhen. It's like a, a super app. You can do everything in WeChat. You know, you, mm. <laughs> you can um, scan a QR code and pay for the metro ride or the, the bus ride. You can uh, you can buy your your train ticket. You can do all kinds of things in in WeChat, more and more. Uh, it's it's crazy. There's no equivalent, I think, uh, in 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 Europe or in the US. No. There's no one app that that's like, you know, uh, taking care of so many facets of your life. So that's right. Chinese people sort of live inside WeChat, right? It's a personal thing. They have their parents, they have their family and so on. They have their buddies, they have maybe their mistress, they have, and then they have the <laughs> business, the, the business uh, relations, the, you know, the customers and the suppliers and everything. And whenever they're in WeChat, they're bombarded with all kinds of messages and, and, and things happening. So already you can see it's not the best way to have a sustained uh conversation you know with 100 percent of their attention but right. that's not really the the issue 
yeah, number one is it's mostly a personal medium, right? First and foremost, it's personal. So if that person is no longer working for the company, but they keep communicating with you, will you even know, <laughs> right? Mm. Whereas if it's on uh, by email on the company's website, you know, on the company's domain, well, and you've checked that it's the same as their website and everything, you can guess that somebody can cut them out, right? But if they pull you into WeChat, you come into their their personal realm, right? You 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 they, they might set up their own trading company and divert the orders uh, from your company to their new trading company, or they might mm. go and work for another company, and yeah, all of a sudden they send you a new performer invoice with a new a new name and you're like oh what is that oh yeah don't worry just you know just changing the the company but it's the same blah 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 same same people same factory don't worry you know <laughs> might be true might not be true okay mm. that's the first potential issue but what i see as the huge problem with wechat is that People discuss stuff, people confirm stuff in which people send photos of problems they don't want to see, people send examples of what they want, etc., etc. And then good luck making sense of it, you know, in the long run. So in, in our company, we have a rule. You know, if you really have to use WeChat, maybe to push a supplier or something, you push them, but then you tell them, let's confirm this over email. If they confirm something in WeChat, you take a screenshot of it, you send it to them by email, you ask them to reconfirm. <laughs> then you have a um, a trace of that in the long run. Otherwise, things in WeChat just come and go. Might be impossible to 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 search for it later. It might be completely you know erased already. You can't trust that. Okay, uh, and also it is so random and unstructured. It's terrible. Okay, mm. so. It's like one level up, which is email and, and, and another level up, which is project management software. But really, the best way is to actually use proper working templates. And I will come to that. Okay. Mm. But that, that's WeChat. And you, I'm sure you also use WeChat every day, right? It's essential for keeping in touch with friends and family in right. China, mainly because... At work, we use Ding Talk, which right. you'll come on to a bit later on. Right. And that's kind of more what, what I use professionally. But I, I use WeChat for speaking with my parents-in-law quite often. But yeah, definitely, uh, I use it a lot for a Western person. I suppose at this point, it, it's, it, it might be worth just mentioning as well. It almost goes without saying, doesn't it, that uh, mediums like WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, those mm -hmm. are a no-no. Well, I'd say it's the same as... WeChat, except that um, your contact in China even has to log on, you know, with a VPN first to have access to this. So that's right. If at one point China changes their rules, changes changes their you know firewall and things like that, well, <laughs> they would not even have access to it anymore, right? Yeah. So yeah, in a way, it's even worse than WeChat. Mm. Uh, yeah, and also WeChat is like the least secure app out there yeah. and it, yeah there's been a number of, uh, of studies on that uh, basically it's totally absolutely open to the, the local government mm -hmm. there um, mm -hmm. but yeah security is the authorities just, love it yeah exactly exactly they have a <laughs> uh, there's not even a back door it's completely open you know so yeah. 
security has not really been built in and uh, it's it's yeah uh, be careful what you put in wechat because yeah. um a lot of people might have access to it right so that's wechat and yeah we 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 banned it at work uh except when we really have to uh use it to push a supplier or something if they're more responsive with it okay fine but it's mm-hmm. only for quick messages discussions never for confirmations if the other mm. party confirms something, put it in the proper working template if if possible. Otherwise, just you know send it by email, but don't just keep it in in, in WeChat. Yeah. Um, I keep talking about email. So as I mentioned, confirmations, don't keep them in WeChat, put them in an email, send, send send them to the right people in email and archive your emails. Okay. Email can, you know, over time becomes pretty messy too and you might Mm. have an issue with your mailbox uh even if you use microsoft 365 and everything it might be especially if you use a mac i noticed (laughs) um it might be messy it might be impossible to um to search and find certain old messages so Mm. uh be mindful of that also right it's um but the good thing about email at least you can force some structure, right? So w- one very basic thing is with a Chinese uh, person, you, if you ask them three questions in sort of an unstructured way, blah, 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 like the worst is all in one paragraph, you know, one long paragraph, like they would not even read it to the end, you know, uh, very often. Or, you know, several messages, several questions, you ask them to come back to you on several topics most of the time they will miss one or two topics, right? And they don't, they won't even feel bad about it. It's like, okay, I responded to you on the easy stuff and maybe I need a bit more time on the rest. And like, you're not asking me to follow a certain structure. So I, you know, you are freestyle, I'm freestyle, right? Mm. Totally fair, (laughs) totally expected. Uh, So if you send an email and you, you have, you want to give three um, points to the for the supplier to follow up on, you know, three to-dos, three tasks, or you you ask, you know, you request three pieces of information that are separate. Structure your email like that. Number one, da 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 da. Number two, da da da. Number three, da da da. You know, please respond point by point. And when they respond, then you copy your maybe the the. They uh, they forget to respond to number two. You copy number two and you resend it to them. You know, uh, you know. Please keep it somewhat organized. Blah blah blah. One two three. And usually they get it, and you know they would do it. It doesn't come naturally, maybe to them. And, and this is all the more important if there's there's a lot of jet lag. If uh, you are in, um, I don't know. The worst maybe is uh, mountain time in the U.S. or like you're in Salt Lake City or you're in uh, in, in in Las Vegas or someplace like that. Mm. The, the 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 time zones are just horrible, you know. If you work with Chinese suppliers, so uh, you send an email and then basically you wait until the next day to get the response and then you respond and then you get a, you know you wait another again another another day. Very very important to structure your emails. So that at least you just wait one day, you know, not just, oh, you need to push them again and it's another day, another day. And then they tell you, oh, I haven't understood what you meant. 
and then it's another day, right? Um, so this is, um, yeah, this is email. Now, what is one step above email is project management software. Now, email, Chinese suppliers don't love email. They prefer WeChat. Now, project management software, <laughs> yeah, usually they try to avoid it, right? And sometimes for good reason. If you use some of them that are hosted in the US and that they use some of whatever, some script libraries or something that maybe don't uh, don't load nicely or don't load nicely on Chinese browsers or something, mm. you know, or are very slow in China, um, it is painful for them. So be careful with that. Now, things like, uh, you know, Trello, Basecamp, Asana, and so on, usually tend to be okay as long as they don't have to um, to, to upload heavy files uh, or even sometimes download heavy files because, you know, with the server in the U.S. usually, well, it can be pretty painful for them, pretty, pretty slow, especially the uploads, all right? So um, be, be, be careful about that, but uh, the good the good side about it is you you create your to-dos and you assign them and you give a, a target date and things like that. But it's not sufficient. You have to keep it alive. And so what, what some importers do is maybe they set up a scheduled weekly catch-up. You know, they block 45 minutes with each key supplier every whatever, every Monday morning, every whatever, Right. They have their salesperson on Zoom or Teams or, again, whatever works for them. Because some of them maybe will have issues, uh, perhaps with Zoom, um, you know, so maybe you have to be a bit flexible. And then you go through it and they give you a, uh, they give you feedback right there. And then you can, you can save their uh, their their spoken comments right there in front of them. You sort of get them used to seeing it. And then they see the list of actions, you know, with responsible party and due date and things like that. They, they you know, they commit to it. And then in, they know that next week it will be shown to them again. So now, they, you know, after a few times, they start to take it seriously. Okay. That's how you kind of have the rubber uh, meet the road, right? It's kind of, you start to have traction with your system when they start to see, okay, it's serious. He will show that to me every time. Uh, I'd better get on with his system, right? Because anyway, that's the way he works. And and that's where you want it to go. Okay, so project management system can be good, but you need to give it some time and you need to keep it relatively simple. Uh, but it is great to have uh, to plan for the tasks and to break them down and to arrange them you know, logically per topic and so on. At least for yourself, then you know what to push them on, right? So that that's always that's always a good thing. There is an interesting app in China, and you mentioned it. It's called Ding Talk, Ding D I N G Talk T A L T A L K, which is a Chinese app. It's been developed by Alibaba, the, the yep. Alibaba Group. And in in Chinese, they call it Ding Ding. Uh, not Ding Talk. <laughs> so it, it is a paying app. Think of a professional version of WeChat. And um, 
yeah, for, for Chinese people, it's, you know, the interface is, um, is very easy to understand. It's very easy for them to, to get onto it. So that's the good thing. They, um, it's very easy to, to get Chinese people to adopt it. But then it's not just WeChat. That's the beauty of it. They, uh, you can give uh, to-dos, you know, to-do actions to, to people and give them a due date and everything, and it will ring them, it will remind them, you know, on their mobile phone, which Chinese people is, um, you know, center of, uh, of their attention usually. Um, so if you want to keep it very simple for some suppliers, you might go with DingTalk. Uh, again, as I mentioned, is is paying, but it's not that expensive. And it really keeps the idea, you know, that it's it's a chat app, and uh, and it's 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 not that different from WeChat on a day to day basis, right? So that's if you really want easy adoption, right? And we we use it because most of the company, uh, you know, is is Chinese people, uh, so um, it's yeah. We've had some pretty good, uh, pretty fast adoption. Now, mm. some foreigners have some, um, how to say, uh, resistance to that because maybe they don't want a Chinese app on their phone. Who knows, right? Uh, but it's the same as WeChat again, right? Actually, it's more secure. It's much more secure than WeChat, uh, in mm. my understanding, anyway. So, yeah, it's basically Chinese people are are, are used to a certain universe of websites and apps and everything that is sort of diverging away from what, you know, non-Chinese people are used to. And somebody's got to, to make, you know, a, a bit of a jump. So is it you that are going to do a jump? Then you better go with something like DingTalk. Mm. Or is it them that are going to make a jump then it's going to be something like Asana or Trello or Basecamp, okay? But again, in 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 any case, you still need to have the regularly scheduled weekly catch-ups to to review what's going on and um, ensure that uh, they know what what is most important, what is on their plate. Mm and to sort of commit to the next actions, right? That's really, really important. You have to make it, um, you have to to make sure the system lives, right? Uh, Otherwise, somebody writes something, nobody cares, and things really linger, and something is, uh, they don't really know how to stop to do something, and then they procrastinate, they never do it. That's a big problem that you really want to avoid, okay? Mm. Now, what is one step above sending emails and keeping things organized in project management and everything? Actually, I should not say that, but it's a very good complement to project management software. But it's really one step above email is to have proper working templates. So when you tell your supplier what you expect, you know, for example, quality standard on the, the finish of the product, well, Put the you know put the color material and finish information on the 2D drawings of the pots. Put together a master file that includes all of the information you sent to them about what you require and also about what you don't want. And during the development of a new product or during production, you get some files. Uh, sorry, some some examples you know of um, 
what you don't like because you see defective goods, you know, bad samples, whatever. Take photos of it. And uh, very, very clearly in that master document, document the fact that you don't like that and it should be like that, not like that, right? Mm. If if you send that through emails or even worse, WeChat over time, do you think your supplier will remember everything? Do you think they will collect it in one document, translate it for the production people, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> They will not. You have to assume they will not, right? Um, if, I don't know, let's say it's an electrical product and it's like um, it's supposed to do certain actions. And so, well, start to write the user manual and then they will know how it's supposed to work for the user, right? Rather than explaining it and writing a few things in an email and maybe sh shooting a video of another product and whatever, what of that sort of get lost? But if you put it in a Word document, send it to them, you archive it properly in your in, in your drive. Next time you have some ideas, you know, you want to add uh, details uh, to it or you see a potential issue you want to avoid, you keep improving that document right? and you keep sharing it with them and you keep requesting them to provide feedback and written confirmations that everything is okay, right? Mm. Um, so... And and I don't know, you you have someone do an inspection. Well, you know, the worst way to do an inspection, go there, see some issues, take some photos in WeChat, send it to people, and then that's it. You know, it's in a channel, lost together, you know, in the shuffle with so many other discussions, and that's it. You know, it's three months later, you want to you want to find it, maybe you cannot even find it. And it's mm. completely unstructured and, and, and so on. That's the worst way to do it. But the best way to do it is to do actually a proper report all in one document. Um, and then to get that information and some of these photos and use them to improve your document, your master document that I mentioned that um, guides the supplier on what your quality standard is, right? And uh, yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of documents like that that are central, you know, that force people to to have some structure, right? They want to do an engineering change on the product. Well, where is their form? You know, the engineering uh, change notification or request form. And do they ask in a formal way for your approval? Or do they just send you a WeChat message saying, oh, you know, uh, TPU is not really going to work. Let's do it in silicon. And like, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then six months later, you have some issues with, with the product and you don't even remember you told them, okay. Right? Mm. And this is so common. This is so yeah. common. Maybe they still do it in TPU and you say, but you say it was aluminum and then they're like, Oh, no, uh, I mean, uh, or oh, silicon. And then they, they tell you, oh, but we were asking you if that would be okay, but uh, we didn't say we would do it that way. Oh, Bruce. really? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, but the samples we, we we sent for certification are in that material, but now you're doing in that other material. Oh, we never thought it would be a problem. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, try to try to work with milestones and deliverables. Otherwise, that's the kind of things that can happen and things get really messy. Mm. And um, if, if the supplier is messy, 
and the buyer is messy, you're going to have all kinds of issues. And sometimes it's better, actually, if they work with a trading company that gives, you know, that puts some order into all this, right? Or work with a service provider that puts some order into it. Uh, otherwise, you see people just sending, you know, invectives and, you know, insulting each other. And, you know, the, the buyers just uh, think that the, the, the Chinese supplier is completely dishonest. But you talk with the Chinese party and they also think the buyer is completely dishonest, right? Because mm-hmm. they say something and then they say something else and blah, blah, blah. And they assume that you should do that, but you never really told them in, clear, in a clear way. That That's just the road the highway to um to to a disastrous relationship and to uh basically yeah having to terminate the relationship and go mm. to another supplier when actually it could have worked so um mm. yeah and and one one word springs to mind here and that word also is control and this is something we've mm-hmm. spoken about a lot you know and uh, what you're kind of saying is as the customer you need to take responsibility for controlling the project because <laughs> if you don't, you're not guaranteeing that the foreign, in this case, Chinese side's going to, and it's going to be a mess or, or it may well likely be a mess. You mm. know, messaging somebody on WeChat, it may seem like it's good enough, but as you've mentioned, what happens six months down the line when everybody's forgotten and nobody can find the right message and whatever then, mm. then, then, what do you do? Well, the the whole thing's spinning out of control. So, oh, right. yeah, I mean, th- this is uh, this is really, really helpful so far for sure. Mm. Yeah, right, right. And then the last thing, I mean, we can't discuss this, especially working documents, you know, without mentioning agreements, mm. formal agreements, legally enforceable agreements, right? Uh, because this is part of the work of clarifying how are we going to work together, okay? There's a lot of cases where the buyer, again, doesn't work in a very structured manner, you know, and talks about certain things, you know, at the very beginning, but forgets to get them confirmed in writing. And then they spend three months or six months to get things right and already, and then they say, oh, by the way, all of these works that you've done on developing the product, hey, I need you to send me the full bum, the, the bill of material. And <laughs> suppliers like, oh, but you know, we did that sourcing work for free. We did not charge you for it, so we're not going to send you the, the the output of that free work. It's it's our property. And the buyer is like, what are you talking about? Without the bill of material, I don't know what the product is made of. I don't know where the components, the key components come from. Then basically it's your product, it's not my product. You know, and so you have different perspectives here. And the, the supplier is thinking, yeah, of course, but you didn't pay us for that. So what do you think? We give it to you for free, and then you go to mm-hmm. another supplier to enjoy all the free work that we've done, you know. So and 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 yeah, and again the, the customer is thinking, damn, I these guys are are, are really messing with me. It's my product. And if they told me to pay, I would have paid. It's fine. Right. So anyway, that's mm. just an example. Uh, and then the buyer sends a, you know, works with a lawyer at that point and says, we need the full bill of material. 
including the list of, you know, of every part and including for every part the full contact information of the supplier, the price per piece, the MOQ, the lead time, da 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 da, da. <laughs> And the supplier basically uh, doesn't want to sign it, then uh, what, where do you go from there, right? Well, it's, it's too late by then. Yeah, it's way too late. So you got to be um, ready up front with the right agreements and uh, you know, don't don't spend months and months of work with one supplier if you don't have all these bases covered, right? Mm. Uh, and I, I picked the bill of material. You know, it could be the ownership of the, the tooling. It could be all kinds of things. You know, what happens if there's five percent defective goods in a batch? Uh, what happens if if this and this and that, right? Um, mm. If you don't get that confirmed in writing early on. Yeah, the, the longer you wait, the harder it will be. And and then if you wait until you have some kind of disaster with a supplier to actually look into it, well, what what do you do, right? Um, you're not gonna get the kind of um, nice situation everybody's happy and so on based on that. <laughs> you're not gonna be happy. It's not gonna go well for you, basically. Right, because you don't have much mm. leverage. So, yeah, what of that to say? Um, you need to have some working templates. If you don't, then you have to work with people who have the right working templates. Make sure that everything gets, you know, documented as needed. And you know, and lawyers are part of that. Lawyers are one of the service providers uh, yep. that will draft the right templates that you need right and an engineering firm that will make sure that you know the 2d drawings with the proper information the critical to quality uh, dimensions and the, the tolerances and everything are properly um, documented uh, is part of that and a mm-hmm. supply chain management company that will ensure that the bomb is nice and complete you know at least as complete as it should be at that stage in the, in the project, uh, you know, all on the on, on a good template and so on and so forth, is part of that. And these are just a few examples, right? Um, a risk analysis on the design or or on the manufacturing process, a, a proper documentation of all the the testing plan, you know, uh, a proper report after testing, you know, for performance, for reliability, for whatever. All of these are important uh, deliverables that mm-hmm. should be on some kind of template, you know. And uh, yeah, these work templates, uh, you know, if you've never worked on that, then you need to work with people who have uh, uh, have already done it and they would do it for you, right? It's not the kind of things that we would send out for free to somebody, right? I mean, some listeners might think, oh, yeah, okay, I make a list, I will ask this guy. Uh, you know, if we do it for you, yeah, we'll do it on the template. You'll see what the template's like, but you know, this is like asking a lawyer to um, to send you their template for a manufacturing agreement, you know, for, for free as mm-hmm. a favor. Not going to happen, right? Because <laughs> that's, hey, they, that's the way they get paid is for their work and, mm. uh, you know, their time and all of the accumulated knowledge and experience that they had uh, over the years. So mm. people, you know, be uh, 
be reasonable because <laughs> a lot of people are not very reasonable in their requests <laughs> mm. right but we're very happy follow- to share uh, advice and tips and strategies and things like that uh but we, yeah we can't completely open the kimono to everybody because yeah it's part of our our experience and and part of the sure. value that we bring yeah yeah I think the listeners know this is an educational podcast right. and we do give away a lot of information for free. But at the end of the day, Sofeast is a, is a business. And uh, yeah, this is, this is absolutely right. some of the stuff that we can do for you. Um, actually, one of the new uh, solutions that we offer, and it's on the website now, is uh, checking the new product introduction deliverables. So if you've been going through uh, the MPI process with a let's say you've got a manufacturer in China or elsewhere and mm-hmm. before you start to get ready to go into production lots of stuff needs to have happened and you've just given a list of a lot of important things I mean there's there's a heck of a lot more as well right so how do you know that you're ready to say okay fine let's proceed and let's finish off the you know the final stages of development and then go into production because if something gets missed disaster and yeah this is something we can literally go through all of that information and double check triple check Mm -hmm. to make sure that nothing is going to be missed and that you're safe to go into production so yeah yeah, that's a cool new solution that's worth uh, mentioning yes 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 yeah so um trade uh runs on paper right that's what Mm. we used to say well good manufacturing also runs on paper there's a lot of documents that Mm. are very uh, you know, more or less standardized, uh, quite standardized in some cases. And ignoring them uh, comes with a lot of risks. <laughs> oh, boy, that is very, very true. Okay, well, uh, yeah, good advice today. Uh, I think definitely lifting the lid on some of the better mediums to be using and uh, some tips on, you know, how best to communicate with a Chinese supplier if you're listening and wondering, well, hang on a minute, ding talk. I just don't get it. What, what, what are these guys on about? But feel free to get in touch and uh, mm-hmm. we'll definitely try to, you know, uh, give you some, uh, give you some advice. That's not a problem. And you know, the website by now, sophies.com and uh, yeah, we'll be back again next week. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Adrian. And uh, thanks everybody. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.